Hello and welcome everyone to a very special A Star to Steer Her By. I am so excited! So excited. It's, great. it's a great day for everybody. We're not doing our normal Star, Star to Steer Her By bullshit like we usually do. That probably doing, is good news for everybody, yeah. We're doing the good stuff today because it's right around the time of our fourth anniversary. Yep. We've been doing oh, this four geez. years. Yeah. Wow. We've, we've kept it what going. What a disaster. And congratulations <laughs> to us. Yeah, we will be doing disaster. it for the next decade, probably. They Basically. won't making stop Trek. making Star Trek. So to I mean, are we at least like halfway through currently produced Star Trek? We've got to be. Yes. Yeah, because based on the episode count when we started this, even if they like hadn't made any more discovery or anything like that, it would have taken about seven years. Mm. Hmm. Well, we keep stretching it out by adding these specials, and then True. eventually we're going to have to do all the new Trek. Yeah, it's never going to end. That's fine. And then do the Orville. And then we're just going to turn into a Battlestar Galactica podcast somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's going to. Yeah, then we'll do the Expanse, side, side Futurama. What are they called? I do love the Expanse. What are those things called? Psy Psy Cylons. Cylons. We're going to become Cylons. That's how it'll happen. Uh, Is that you don't name? know if I'm already one. That's true. I don't even really know what a Cylon Maybe is. Maybe I'm a toaster. I always, I always expected it, Chris. Anyway, so to celebrate our, our four-ish year anniversary, we're doing our fanfic day, as we've done before. Woo. As usual, I am Ames. As you've come to expect, I am Caitlin. I've made this joke before, but you've come to fear that I'm Jake. <laughs> and I'm going to be many people today, but at the moment, I'm Chris. Yeah, we're hey. going to be tons of people, because this is our, our 16th 10 forward. Woo! Woo! And we're doing, we're doing DS9 teleplays. A while back, we all picked what character our teleplay would focus on by having our good friend Rossi draw names out of a random generator. And we've figured out who's going to be doing their, their teleplays in what order. For now, all you need to know is that Caitlin's going first. Woo. Uh, so I picked, or I was given Odo. Yeah, you were. Oh, Ames, I know you're probably going to be upset by this because I had initially had big dreams of like, maybe I could write an Odo origin story. That went out the window. It was going to be a lot of fucking work. So instead, <laughs> I decided to rely on cheap jokes and callbacks to episodes we recently no, did. No, I love that better. I love it already. That's, I, that's no, it might, be, it might be like, I don't want to like... I don't want to blow my own horn. It might be a little fun. That's why I'm worried. I don't, no, that's I don't good. want to be too fun much. Oh, good. I see. I see. Yeah. I know mine's, mine is not fun. <laughs> right. for the fisting scene yes i've been waiting for a teleplay fisting scene it's my favorite it is i mean it is truly the final frontier Ugh. <laughs> all right, all right. Caitlin, um, what do we not have to know about your teleplay as we launch in i don't really want anyone to know anything great thing we've given um, our ourselves who who should reach read for whom yep. yeah you guys have that right i do okay I and do. jake you have well yeah jake you you're have, gonna you're jake gonna love has, my impressions <laughs> I can't fucking wait 
Like, I expect everyone to really overdo it, please. Um, <laughs> and I did try to mark names in when it's like the first time you show up and you oh, play that thing. Good. But I don't know if I was successful. I tried. Anyway, I'm going to read scenes and like stage note shit if mm-hmm. there is any, and I have, like, a role or two or something. I don't know. Let's see how it goes. I trust you. <laughs> if no one starts reading, I'll just jump in, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, what is your episode called? <laughs> called Constable Odo Day, of Yay! course. <laughs> oh, we should mention, these are all cold reads. Oh, the coldest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, like it would make a fucking difference. Aside- well, okay, we fine. Have not I am a thespian and prepare. Yeah, but that's not fun. Then we don't get to exactly. see your, your live reactions. So. No, yeah, no, it's much better this way. It's going to be great. All right. Constable Odo Day, I'm ready. Constable Odo Day. Oh, fuck, I just realized the readers might not know what characters they're talking. Well, Shit. if it's not clear from the voices we do, they'll figure it out when we post them online. Yeah, I guess so. There we go. All right, Constable Odo Day. Scene one, the promenade. Odo enters to see, to his surprise, that garish decorations have bloomed there overnight, proclaiming Happy Constable Odo Day. (laughs) Constable, I see you found our surprise. Isn't it wonderful? Happy Constable Odo Day! Oh my god. Yes, wonderful. But I don't approve of all these fire hazards (laughs) on my promenade. I assure you, all the necessary precautions have been taken. Besides, it's a station-wide holiday. We're giving you the day off, and we have lots of surprises in store for you. <sighs> Keiko enters. Oh, that's what I should have written. I should have wrote, Cisco enters, idiot. <laughs> Keiko enters, walking quickly over to Odo and Cisco, and grabbing the constable's arm. Odo, I'm glad I got to you fi- well, second, come see what the children have done for Constable Odo Day. How is this possible? With well, all of my contacts, and I didn't hear anything about this. I don't know if this will make you feel better or worse, but it required a little help from Morn. I'm impressed. I wouldn't expect Morn, of all people, to be able to keep a secret. Scene two, Keiko's classroom. I don't think that's even a thing anymore. The students have been busy with Odo-themed art projects. Dax awaits within, holding a small, mostly featureless doll in a security uniform made in Odo's image. (laughs) There's the guest of honor. Happy Constable Odo Day, Odo. I'm glad you are amused by this, Lieutenant. Odo, don't be such a grump. For one day, cut loose and have a little fun. This may be hard to believe, but for me, my work is fun. Not all this being... Not all this being the center of attention. Surely even the constable is immune to the charms of all the student projects. Now it's created a beautiful portrait. Antos carved this wooden figurine. And Jake even wrote you this wonderful short story where you're a 20th century private investigator. What they used to call a private eye. Odo accepts the tablet containing Jake Sisko's story. Hmm. This at least may have some merit. I, uh, think I'll return to my quarters so I can read this immediately. (laughs) Thank you, Keiko. And all my thanks to your students as well. Before anyone can object, Odo exits. The rest follow behind puzzled. After everyone is left, the little Odo doll springs to life. Oh! Gasp, comically looking one way, then the next, before disappearing from our view. Scene three, Odo's chambers. Thinking he's escaped briefly, Odo sits down and breathes a sigh of relief. The doorbell rings. Enter! Kira enters. Odo leaps to his feet to greet her, like a simp. 
Major, uh, what a pleasant surprise. Have you heard about this Constable Odo Day utter nonsense? Of course I heard. That's why I'm here. I know in spite of my Dejara, my work isn't much, but I made this to commemorate the day. Kira produces a small sculpture from behind her back. It looks like a melting popsicle. <laughs> Odo nice. accepts it, bemused. Major, I don't think I've ever been more touched. What, um, what is it? Well, it's you, Odo. At the time between humanoid Odo becoming something else, it doesn't look like much, but I put my heart into it. I have never been so pleased by any gift. Thank you, Major. Odo and Kira gaze into each other's eyes until the doorbell rings. Enter! Cisco enters. Ha! I did it that time. <laughs> there you are, Odo. Oh, Nerys, I didn't know you'd be here. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. Uh, no, Captain. Uh, Major <laughs> Kira, uh, just bring me this uh, be beautiful sculpture she made for me uh, for, for Constable Odo Day. <laughs> <laughs> Kira Nerys original, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> Another fine piece of work, Major. Odo, I'm sure right now you must feel pretty overwhelmed with all of this. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, it has been most irregular and has really disturbed my schedule. Good, good. We really <laughs> wanted you to enjoy the day. Oh, yes. It has been most enjoyable. Well, we saved the best for last. Second best, I think you mean. Yes, second best, Major. I'm going to take you to a baseball game <laughs> in the Hollow Suites. A baseball game in... <sighs> Yes, sir. I, I can't imagine anything I'd uh, enjoy more. I hoped you'd feel that way. Cisco hands Odo a London Kings baseball jersey. Here, get changed into this and meet me in Hollow Suite 8 in 15 minutes. I have to go change. Exit Kira and Cisco. Why didn't Kira say goodbye? I don't know. <laughs> Odo studies the jersey Cisco has given him, concentrates for a moment, and shapeshifts so it looks like he's wearing it. He ah. steps in front of a mirror to check his work. Well, certainly I'm getting better at clo- Psst. Odo is stunned with electricity from behind. <laughs> we can see the laser-style weapon, but not who holds it. Dun-dun-dun. <gasps> Odo falls unconscious, becomes Odo-goo. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> it is a hand, a hand reaches into shot to pick up the jersey. We hear a laugh as the scene <gasps> fades. Scene four, quirks, sometime later. Odo runs into Quark's bar, looking a little wild. I just imagine that's like a couple of his like hair hairs are out of place again, mm -hmm. which, as we discussed, is more work. But whatever. He's approached by O'Brien and Bashir. Ah, oh, there's the man of the hour. Happy Constable Odo Day. Uh, thank you, but I'm here on urgent. No urgent business today, Constable. Come and have a pint with Miles and I. Have a round of darts. Yes, Constable. Join us for one round of darts. <laughs> Who knows? You might like it. No, I can't right now. I really have Constable, to- Constable, lighten up. We won't keep you long. Just a half hour or so. I, we just want a small chunk of your time. You don't understand. I have more important business. Enter. Cisco and Odo? <gasps> Question mark, exclamation point, also known as a Interrobang. Mm -hmm. Both wearing baseball caps, jerseys, holding pennants, and laughing gaily together. Somehow, I just knew you would love baseball, Odo. Captain- I can't think of anything I've ever enjoyed more. O'Brien notices the second Odo, does a spit take <laughs> from his pint. <laughs> Jesus! Odo, there's two of you! Oh dear, but which one is the real Odo? Are we going to tell him a parrot? 
Quark enters, whistling, strips of latinum sticking out of his pockets and carrying a tray laden with tiny buckets full of shimmering gold liquid, approaches Odo too. <laughs> there you are, Constable. You simply must try one of my limited edition commemorative Constable Odo Day Odo Bucket Cocktails. Just one strip of lat. Well, for you, I guess it's on the house. But don't get used to it. How generous, Quark. Thank you. Odo, I've seen your coffee trick, but I don't think you've moved on to actually ingesting food and drink. Perhaps I should have planned that banquet after all. I think if everything else wrong with this picture has included you in, Doctor, that should answer your question. This imposter did all right job of impersonating me, apparently enough to fool the captain. But can you imagine me being so pleasant to Quark? Quaffing down one of his cheap gimmicks or enjoying baseball? <laughs> now that you mention it, no. Odo 2, actually founder 48 Sigma Pi 7, transform in, transforms into other oddly shaped humanoid founder. Who would have thought on a station so large we would bump into each other like this? <laughs> Transports away. To where? Who cares? <laughs> That's what I was trying to tell you. Well, you two fools wouldn't stop yammering about darts. There was another founder on the station wreaking havoc. We are wreaking who knows what kind of havoc. And now they've escaped. Turning to Quark, rage building. And you, you, my, my image to make money on Constable Odo Day? <laughs> You know, Odo, you should really be thanking me. I mean, after all, it was my limited edition commemorative Constable Odo Day Odo Bucket Mini Cocktails that tipped everyone off that you weren't quite yourself today. Quark! <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's it. I like it. That's the whole thing. Delightful. That end line is perfect. Yes. Yep. That's how it had to end. <laughs> that was the first line I wrote. <laughs> uh, I know how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Perfect. All right. Well, unless I'm mistaken, the person who's up next then is you, Ames. It is. It is. Well, very, very good work, Caitlin. Yeah, oh, that was that was very fun. Yeah, thanks, it was. Yeah. It, it was a good amount of fun, which I enjoy. That amount of fun. Yay! Um, I did it. Now, with my with my teleplay, you're going to be shocked because I also had a good amount of fun. Because I had Quark, Ooh, and yes. when you when you when you've drawn Quark as your character, it's impossible not to have at least a little bit of fun. Does everyone have have their documents open? Yes. All right. Now we've already assigned what character is whom. Uh, mine is also written more like a radio play, okay. so there's no stage directions because I fucking hate reading stage directions. That's a lie. I love reading stage directions. I didn't want to read stage directions today. So I'm just going to make noises and occasionally do some very, very light foley in lieu of stage directions. Also, we're going to hear the title, where, where the title would fall in an actual episode, which is after the teaser, which we're going to start reading when everyone's ready. I'm not saying there aren't pros to the argument, Rom. I'm saying we too much work and not enough profit. But, uh, brother, uh, I'm saying I could put in that work on my own time. The answer is no, and that's final. You, you don't even have to pay me. We're not getting a pet for the bar. Uh, I just think the customers would like it if we got a dog. Or a wompat. Or a... I or... could hook you up with a tame salad if you're interested. I'm sorry, miss. We're closed. <laughs> 
Pity. I thought you said you'd always be interested in doing business with me. Is that a... Bash? No, no, of course we are. I mean, I am. I mean, what can I do for you? You don't know how difficult it is finding good help in this quadrant. Yeah, tell me about it. Or a Targa. I think the customers would like seeing a Targa at the bar. Rom, the bar is not a petting zoo. Sorry. See what I mean? <laughs> Intro theme up. Do 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 Deep Space Nine, episode Jurassic Quark. Now, you said you had a business venture to pursue, Vash, my dear? I'm afraid it might be a little on the high-risk end. Well, you know what goes hand-in-hand with high-risk. A visit from the Ferengi Commerce Authority? (laughs) Ignore him, he's an idiot who should be taking inventory right now. Of course. We'll get right on it, brother! Better to talk just the two of us. Agreed. This is an item that the fewer people know about, the better. My favorite kind. Can I get you something on the house, which I assure you, you won't hear me offer very frequently. Thanks, I'm all set. So. So. How much do you know about the Slaver Empire? I know anything concerning them can be very profitable, and that's enough for me. Yes, very profitable, but also very difficult. Of course, most things are. Of course. I'm looking for someone who has access to a stasis field nullifier. You see, it's... Hold on. Are you telling me you have a stasis box? Oh, good. You've heard of them. Heard of them? They're only some of the rarest artifacts in the quadrant, but but I thought they'd all been tracked down. In the Alpha Quadrant, perhaps, but they're still plentiful in the Gamma Quadrant, and Starfleet doesn't have the monopoly on them there that they do here. Ah. You'd like to keep Starfleet out of this, I take it. They'd only confiscate it in case it's got a grenade in it with a pin pulled or something. Is that a possibility? I told you it was high risk. And your, uh, big shot boyfriend couldn't help you with this? I haven't actually told Jean-Luc I'm back yet. I met that omnipotent fellow you were palling around with. Oh, Q! Goodness, no. I'd really prefer not to get him involved with this. Or anything. Ever again. So where are we on that stasis field nullifier? Can you get me one? I believe I can. For a price. We don't know what's inside the box yet. Every transaction is a gamble. 20%? 30. 25. 25, then 10% of every stasis box you find using the homing device that I hear these things have built in. Oh, you're good. I know. Deal. Rom, go to the storeroom and bring me back the device in the box labeled self-sealing stem bolts. Uh... Should I finish taking inventory first? Not on your life! Uh, to be an only child. Uh, you wanted a, a stasis field nullifier? We did, thank you. Wee weep. Computer, transport the container of my ship to Quark's bar. May I see that? Okay. You're gonna open that in here. Why not? The bar is insured. Oh, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, you know, something about a grenade with its pin pulled, maybe. Every transaction is a gamble. Hmm, so I've heard. Listen, whatever the slavers put in this box is practically priceless. A purely preserved relic from a race that ruled the galaxy over a billion years ago. It's worth the risk. All right, all right. What are you waiting for? Open it. Well? Is it a bomb? 
It's some kind of data storage device. Let, let me scan it. It's... It's life signatures. Encrypted life signatures. Do you know what this means? Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but, but maybe you should tell us what you think it means first. It means we're due for some great profit. It means that there could be patterns of individuals from the actual slaver empire in this storage device. They're waiting in there like an insect trapped in amber. Or like a pattern waiting in the transporter buffer. Exactly. Can you tell me how many people we're talking about there? Their technology is pretty different from ours. There'd be no way to tell unless we found a way to let them out. It'd be very dangerous to let them out, though, wouldn't it? Very. We don't know what these people had in mind for preserving themselves like this. To free them on the station could be catastrophe. But to let them out in a safe, contained environment could be incredibly lucrative. What do you mean? Look at it this way. It would be the opportunity of a century to have access to specimens, actual specimens, from a long-dead ancient super race. And who controls that access? We do. We're talking about what may be actual people, Quark. Sentient beings. This changes everything. Oh, on the contrary, it changes nothing. What are you saying? He's saying we would own these people. Uh, but, but that's slavery, brother. And Ferengi don't enslave other races. We'd be no better than the Slaver Empire. Would you let me finish? I'm not talking about the people in this buffer. What if we could feed this data into a hollow program and create an artificial image of the people in the Slaver Empire that we can ensure will be safe for everyone and fruitful for our bank accounts? It would be an enticing way to learn about their culture without having a negative effect on their encrypted life signatures. Or them having a negative effect on our actual life signatures. I can see it now. Meet the strongest ruling society in the galaxy back from a billion-year respite. A stasis box might only contain a trinket to study, but this would be like a glimpse into their real lives. The archaeological community would be beside themselves. The Slaver Empire. Only at Quark's Bar. If there's other themes to Jurassic Park, I don't know them. That's Chapter the only one two. That, it's the only one that counts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should be able to get a good approximation of the life signatures in the buffer if the hollow scanners can read this data. Uh, do you think the computer will have enough memory? <laughs> if we dump some of the less popular programs from the system, I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, Chief O'Brien and Dr. Bashir will have to go without the Battle of Britain for a while. And the hollow programs will be able to keep us safe if the entities are less than friendly? Of course, 100% guaranteed. Hmm. Uh, the hollow suites have safety protocols required. May I see that storage device? Uh, the hollow scanner seems to be reading the data. If it's big enough to hold the life signatures and neural information of a number of people, it may take some time. Uh, program complete. Uh, never mind. We'll be the first people to lay eyes on the slavers in eons. Epochs, even. Lead the way. Who goes there? Well, they're no lookers, that's for sure. I've seen worse. Identify yourselves or we'll fire. Sorry, we're new at this. I'm Vash. This is Quark and Rom. We'd like to perform a cultural exchange with your people. You gotta be the biggest things in the quadrant. The galaxy, you'll see. 
We already are the biggest things in the galaxy. Now you've brought us back to this place, and our people will not be pleased about it. And when our people are not pleased... No one is pleased. We're not being clear. You're... How do I put uh, this? You're, uh... You're the future! Uh, the the pre- president. Um, our president. Your future. Oh, this is complicated. You are not helping. The stasis box. Yes, I remember. So, they've brought us back. So, where are we? About one billion years in the... I wasn't talking to you. It appears we to be the home world, but something is false. Like it's a duplication. This is fascinating. They're piecing together the context of their surroundings after a billion years sleep. Mm, someone allowed their hollow projections to be programmed too intelligent. Uh, it's just however they were mapped in their data storage. Uh, the hollow emitters, I didn't, um, I, I don't, uh... The hollow emitters have nothing to do with it. These people are just naturally this advanced. Look at how they solve a problem. They've created this place to look just like the Capital District. But why? Perhaps I can explain? Shoot them! Ah! Our weapons. They've immobilized them! (sighs) Good thing your safety protocols are working. (sighs) (laughs) Very suspicious. The beams created are fabricated. Everything is fabricated. Everything here! It's, it is an environment simulation, but with far inferior technology. You! Why have you brought us here? Oh, are you going to let us talk now? For such an advanced race, you think you'd start with maybe listening to the people who have all the answers. No wonder you went extinct. (laughs) Everyone take a breath. What you may not realize is that over a billion years... Oh, how do I quantify a year for you? Uh, for Regidar, a year is equal to... Inferior scum! (laughs) What? We aren't. Oh, hum. You can't touch us here. You're going to have to listen to the, uh, what did they call us? Uh, inferior scum. Yes, that. This isn't going as I was hoping. If I'd thought they'd be this uncooperative, and Just something we'll have to adjust to in the next version. <coughs> Computer and program. Computer. And program. Why isn't it working? Oh, the memory! Oh, there's too much memory for it to save, so it has to keep running. So delete the saved file. We don't want it anyway. I see now. Computer, show me the control panel. Wait. Can they do that? Rom, I told you we need locking mechanisms on the hollow sweet arches. (laughs) They should be able to do that. Oh, this is intriguing. Let me see. It's merely a hollow projection program in a recreational area aboard a space station. You you shouldn't be reading that. I should be able to override it. Computer and program. 
What a sad excuse for a program. A toddler could create a better facsimile than this. And have better security measures in place. Speaking of which, those safety protocols, they're down now. I've been waiting a billion years to hear you say that. Now, 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 let's just all calm down here for a minute. Brother, oh, we may not have planned this accordingly. You will rue the day you thought to enslave the slaver empire. No one is enslaving anyone here. Take him! It's almost certainly his fault. Oh, but brother, you're the one who... Ah! Ah! Protect me! Protect you? Shouldn't you be protecting me? Ah! This isn't usually how anthropology works. We just wanted to learn about your people. You will learn to bow before the mighty empire. Thump. 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 Scene three. Oh, my, my head. Don't worry, Quark. It's still intact. Odo, did the... How much do you know already? Just that you let a pair of aliens from an age-old civilization loose on the ship, and they've locked everyone out of ops? (laughs) Why? Was there more? No, that about covers it. Our rum and bash... Uh, we're here. They've locked us all up here in the bar. Well, can't complain about having a captive audience. Captive? Being the operative word. There's no telling what they're up to now. Uh, at least they left us alive. Their governance governance system ran almost entirely on the institution of slavery. We're better to them alive than dead. So, what are we going to do about it? Doing about what? What can we do about it? We're trapped in here. Cisco and the others are locked in the brig. The rest of the station's populace is locked in their quarters, and we're down to nothing but basic life support. There's nothing to be done about it. That's not the stubborn old pool of goo I know. (laughs) Can't you turn into something that'll get us out of here and save the day? Oh, yes. What would you like? Would you prefer a razor cat or a giant eel bird of Regulus 5? I'm taking requests. Uh, it all happened so fast. The two slavers just took over the whole station. You mean two hollow images of slavers took over the whole station. How did they manage to do that? They were able to rewrite their characters to bypass the controls on the hollow emitters. They've reprogrammed the entire station in just a couple of hours to allow them access to whatever they want. Uh, uh, but at least I still have the data storage device that contains their real-life signatures. You do? They must not have searched us for it. I'll be confiscating that, thank you. Sorry. So that means that there's still hollow images contained to the station. For now. Until they reconfigure a runabout into a Mobile hollow suite, or worse. Defiant. They can't possibly be that smart, can they? They were a society that had taken over the entire galaxy and held it for eons. I'd say they're pretty smart. And powerful. 
Or did you not know that? There's only two of them. How much damage could they do in the quadrant? Mm. It was such a good idea. A profitable idea. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Bajoran workers, your attention, no. please. Your attempt to seize control of this facility is going to fail. You are valuable workers, and we wish you no harm. However, if you do not return control of this unit to your Cardassian supervisors, we will be forced to take action. You have eight minutes to make your decision. What is that? Uh, the slavers must have tripped one of the Terok Nor counterinsurgency programs while they were searching the station's files. Oh, good. Now, if we're not enslaved first, we have the option of getting killed by the Cardassians' streak of paranoia yet again. <laughs> At least the company this time has improved. I'm sure the slavers will bypass it like they have everything else so far. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, the Joran <laughs> workers. You didn't say the magic word. Your rebellion will not succeed. Surrender immediately, or I will be forced to kill every Bajoran on the station. Or not. It was a pleasure to serve you all, and in the shadow of our demise, I'd like to announce that drinks will be half price. Get them while you're breathing. I always knew the destruction of the station would somehow be your doing, Quark. But I wouldn't have guessed it would be in this manner. What can I say? We got greedy. I... Should never have opened Pandora's box and let these horrors come out. Oh, we did try to keep the circumstances safe. That's right. We couldn't have known what was going to happen. But we could. It was in their nature to usurp power. I don't know how we didn't see that. We were blinded by the promise of forbidden knowledge and... Nine piles of platinum. The slavers died out ages and ages ago, and we should have left them there. They had their time in the sun already. We just had to try to exploit them for more. I never said it was a foolproof idea. It could have worked, but... But we were so preoccupied with whether or not we could that we didn't stop to think if we should. It's too late for that now. All we can do now is wait. And see if the station self-destructs. Yeah. Everybody's an O'Brien somehow foiling their plans. Uh, I'll take that bet, brother. Fine. We're all dead. I can't pay up anyway. <laughs> Attention, Bajoran workers. It pains me to see you have not surrendered to your Cardassian supervisors. I am very sorry to say that everyone in the command center will be beamed into space in five seconds if you do not comply immediately. Five. Four. Wait! The slaver's hollow images three, won't remain intact off the station! That means... Two. Clever gull. One. <laughs> this rebellion is over. Bye-bye. Weep! 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 The doors! They're unlocked! And power has returned to the systems! I need uh, to report to the brig to let Captain Sisko out. Don't do anything. You usually do while I'm gone. <laughs> Wouldn't dream of it. The universe wasn't ready to meet the slavers again. In any form. Uh, I don't know about the universe, but we sure weren't. They're better where they are. In the history books where they belong. <laughs> and you think the bar can handle a pet? Oh, uh, maybe we could start with a couple of plants? Oh, no. I'm not taking time out of my busy day to tend to a bunch of freeloading flowers. I have access to a crop of Philosian retlaw plants I could get you pretty cheap. Uh, aren't those things poisonous? 
Not if you keep them fed. I'm putting an end to this conversation. No pets, no plants, no ancient races trying to conquer the galaxy. None of it! Maybe a couple of snake leaf plants. Uh, those can be pretty profitable, actually. None of it! Everybody! Yeah. That that was awesome. Clever that was really good. dude. Holy yeah. shit! I loved all the little uh, the little references to Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, I, I rewatched Jurassic Park. We should do a ten board of Jurassic Park someday because it is one of the most perfect movies that exists. It's pretty good. As Holy long as we... shit, Jake! Your script is twenty three pages long. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, his is double spaced and also very long. It is not double spaced. <laughs> this you call double spaced? There's the in, the indentation is large. There's large indentation. <laughs> Sizes and everything. All right, Ames. I um, really, really fucking loved it. Yeah, Thank you. I'm yeah, glad. I'm glad fun. you guys liked it. See, I can be fun sometimes. So, so I sent you next. guys which actor you're reading for mine, but I'll just read off the cast anyway, just so you remember. So, actor one is Ames. And you are only playing Dax. Shocking. Actor two is Caitlin. And you will be reading Ferengi one, Garel, Bashir, Counselor two, and Kira. You definitely overestimate my ability to remember <laughs> all of that. I'm keeping a notepad open on my computer to remind myself. You wrote um, a Klingon glossary, Jake. Well, just in case. Actor three is Chris. You can read Quark again. Okay. Which you did such a good job. You did do um, a good job. Cisco, Curla, and Counselor One. And I am Actor Four. And I'll be reading Ferengi Two, O'Brien, Odo again, and Gowron. <laughs> yeah. Casting. Is Curla um, someone we've met before? I can't remember. Yes, actually, Curla. Actually, I, I'll tell you at the end who Curla is. Okay. We have met him before. Is he a Klingon? Yes. Okay. I will be um, Klingony. Yeah. There is a Klingon glossary, but you know what? Fuck it. We don't have to go through it. If you, <laughs> if you pronounce the shit wrong, that's fine. Yay. Are you also doing stage directions? Then? And I will do, yeah, I'll do stage directions. And just so you know, like anything that's a parenthetical on the line, I won't read, but I'll read the bigger blocks of directions. Cool. Sure. Okay. Cool. Are you telling Everybody... us the title before or later? Uh, sure. I'll tell you the title. The title of this episode is Affairs of State. Featuring Dax. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> no, no, I'm Dax. Boys! Oh, there thank you, you. Yep. Much better. Okay. All right, everybody ready? Mm-hmm. I think so. All right. Here's the intro. Uh, interior, Quark's bar. Late. The bar is nearly empty. Quark is wiping down the, to the bar top as a few Ferengi bartenders clear tables. Morn rises from a stupor and stumbles towards the exit. <laughs> An older Klingon woman, Garel, sits, passed out at a table, with an empty bottle of blood wine still in her grasp. The only remaining activity in the bar is a raucous game of tango being played in the casino area. Seated around the tango wheel are two drunk Ferengi, a Pakled, a Bajoran, and Lieutenant Dax. Dax is surrounded by stacks of latinum, hmm. while the other competitors wield much smaller stacks. It's clearly been a good night for her. Mm-hmm. See, I told you she had a full consortium. 
Then why didn't you evade? Because I was following you, you fool. It's all right. You'll get me in the next hand. Maybe, but not tonight. It's a half hour past closing. Even Morn's gone home. But I'm down nearly 200 strips. And you can earn it back with double shift for the next month. Now let's break it up. Same time next week, gentlemen. The other gamblers mumble as they gather their meager stacks of latinum and begin to make their way to the exit. Dax stands and begins to count her winnings. I'd be uh, happy to bank that for you in my safe. Uh, for a small storage fee, of course. That won't be necessary. Dax notices the passed-out Garel. What about her? Fork looks over, surprised. He hadn't noticed Garel. Huh. Quietest Klingon I've ever seen. Miss? Miss, the bar's closed. You don't have to go to your quarters, but you... Garel shoots up as awake and sober as a Bajoran Vedic. In a single movement, she withdraws a dagger with one hand while pulling Quark in with the other. In an instant, she has the knife to Quark's throat. Can stay as long as you like. Mevyap. Garel looks up at Dax. And what are you going to do to stop me, girl? Keep holding that knife to his throat and find out. Yeah, Dax, tell her what happened to the last... Uh, Klingon who tried to attack me in my own bar. Not now, Quark. Garel smiles and slowly releases her grasp on Quark. Quark hurries away and cowers behind Dax. So you really are, Dax. It would seem your blood hasn't completely turned to water after all. It seems you have me at a disadvantage. <laughs> in more ways than one, perhaps. She gestures with her free hand. Two other Klingons emerge on the second floor of the bar, armed with disruptors. Relax. The legendary Dax has nothing to fear from me. They're only here for my protection. She gestures again, and the men slink back into the shadows. You can never be too careful when there's a price on your head. Wanted for assaulting defenseless bartenders? Nothing so... pathetic. No, I have the honor of being the enemy of the coward Gowron. You and half the quadrant, lady. Garel growls at Quark, and he retreats behind Dax. The Ferengi will stay its tongue, or I will stay it for him. Gowron seeks to have me killed, not for anything I've done, but for who I am. For I am the rightful leader of the Klingon people, by right of birth! <laughs> who are you, wife of Kalas, eater of planets? I am Garel, daughter of Dax. Da-da-da-da! <gasps> <gasps> Da 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 da. Okay. Uh, scene two. Interior. Cisco's office. Cisco stands behind his desk, looking out the window. Dax and the Klingon Garel are sitting in front of the desk. Well, Dax, is it true? It's true that Curzon had a romantic relationship with a Klingon woman during the Kittimer negotiations. It would have been considered a scandal and could have derailed the entire conference if it had come out. So it was kept quiet, and the two never revealed the affair. And you claim to be the fruit of this union. Yes. I was raised in secret, even from my father. There is no honor for a bastard girl in the Empire. I still don't see how this makes you the rightful Chancellor. If Grell is who she says she is. Do you doubt me? Sisko raises his hand calmly. Garel backs down. You see, the woman Curzon had the affair with was Azitbur, the Klingon High Chancellor. 
Cisco can't help but smile at this. The Klingon High Chancellor. Boy, old man, you sure can pick him. <laughs> now you can see why the affair was kept secret. But I thought women weren't allowed to serve as Chancellor. They aren't anymore. As if for his successor, Kimpek pushed for conservative reforms to, in his words, return Kronos to its former glory. Garel spits in disgust at the mention of Kempek's name. It's a sore subject. How quickly my people forget. The modern empire itself was united by a female chancellor. The Patak who stand in the Great Hall today do so on the shoulders of women like my mother. Of that there's no doubt. What I don't understand, Garel, is how that makes you the rightful chancellor. You said yourself that your birth was kept secret. Without acknowledgement, you're not even eligible to inherit property, let alone titles even if a woman could serve as chancellor. Normally that would be true, but my mother did in fact acknowledge me in her will, and named me as her sole heir. But after her death, Kempek and his allies had most of her documents destroyed, and I was unable to press my claim. I resigned myself to the life of a houseless warrior. My honor would have to be earned without my family name. But I now believe that Gowron has discovered a remaining copy of her will. What makes you think that? The two assassins I gutted trying to sneak into my bedchamber. <laughs> Leave it to a patak like Gowron to hire someone else to do his dirty work, and incompetence at that. Benjamin, if it's true that the will was suppressed and had named Gorilla's heir, then she should have been given chance to perform the rite of succession. That would make Compex succession illegal under Klingon law. Even today, so many years later, I would still be in my rights to challenge Gowron for control of the council. I could start putting back together the empire my mother built. Wouldn't a challenge involve fighting Gowron? To the death. <laughs> I'm not so old I couldn't still tear that coward's spine out through his throat. Sisko and Dax exchange glances. After a moment, Garel's demeanor changes. So he looks at Dax gravely. As far as anyone in the Empire is concerned, I'm just an old warrior. I have no house of my own, no allies. But if my true parentage became known, I have no doubt that there would be many in the Empire who would rally to my cause. My mother's name is still spoken of with honor. The House of Gorkon, though fallen, is remembered as one of the that brought prosperity and glory to the Empire. That's why I need you, Dax. Gowron will surely dismiss the will as a forgery and paint me as a foolish old woman. But the name Dax still rings out among my people. If you were to acknowledge me as Curzon's daughter and vouch for the will's authenticity, the council would be honor-bound to hear your word and consider my claim. Dax considers this. Curzon made a solemn oath not to reveal his relationship with your mother. Even in this life, I will not dishonor her by betraying that oath. It is justified, if it serves, to reverse an even greater dishonor. I won't debate the finer points of the Klingon Code of Honor with you, but there's another problem. I didn't even know you existed until a few hours ago. Azipur never told Curzon that she was pregnant. A simple DNA test will prove that I am Curzon and Azipur's daughter. You need only consent to the test and testify before the council that Curzon and my mother were in a consenting relationship. Somehow, I don't think it would be that easy. Perhaps not, 
But Dax, I ask you now, for the love you once bore my mother, help me restore my family name and do honor to her memory. Dax takes a moment to consider it, but Sisko can see she's already made up her mind. Benjamin. Leave granted. Now, you'd better see if you can find yourself a copy of that will. I may have an idea on how to get one. Scene 3. Interior. Quark's Bar. Day. Fade up on a crowded midday at Quark's. Dax is seated with Grell at a small table. Dax is in civilian clothes and studying a pad while nursing Arachtogeno. Quark stands behind the bar while O'Brien and Bashir are sipping ales. She doesn't look half-trill. She definitely is. The DNA test proved it. I did detect evidence that she'd had some cosmetic work done, perhaps to cover spots. Did she have, you know, the pouch? Really, <laughs> Chief? I'm just curious is all. I still can't believe Dax was in a relationship with the Klingon High Chancellor. Knowing what we do about Curzon, does it really surprise you? She has no idea what she's getting herself into. These Klingons don't joke around. When I faced down a Klingon warrior in the Great Hall, it was me or him. Life or death. I just don't think she has it in her. Didn't you fall to your knees and beg for mercy? Where'd you hear that? Rom. <laughs> Worthless ingrate. Well, for your information, I didn't beg for mercy. I fully accepted my fate. That's exactly my point. Dax is too proud to do the smart thing. I don't know, Quark. She's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Klingon warriors before. Yeah, but this is Gowron. Have you even seen that guy's eyes? <laughs> even when he was saying I won the challenge, I thought he was going to kill me. It, no, mark my words. If those two walk into the council chambers, one of them isn't walking out. Maybe both. Well, aren't you the eternal optimist? Cut to Dax and Garel seated at a table. It's true. It's all here. Asipur named you as her heir. Dax hands the pad to Garel, who looks it over. Tell me again how you got this. You said it yourself. My name still carries some weight. Plus, it pays to have a friend in the Empire who owes you a favor. So it does. Still, I'm surprised Gowron would even allow anyone to know the will exists, let alone see it. Gowron overplayed his hand when he tried to have you killed. Not only did he tip you off that he had the will, but now you're in a position where you could challenge him for the leadership. His only hope is to claim the will is forged. He can't do that unless he acknowledges that there is a will. Garel <laughs> nods, accepting of this plot glue. Our transportation should be arriving shortly. The captain served both my mother and grandfather, and practically raised me as his own daughter. I trust him. I hold up he a pad. Yes. He's already begun spreading this quietly among the great houses. By the time we arrive, Kempek's treachery will be well known. With your testimony, Gowron will have no choice but to accept the will's authenticity. Dax's smile fades slightly. And then what? Then I'll challenge Gowron for leadership, as is my birthright. I don't know if it'll be so simple. Even if Gowron accepts you as Azitbur's heir, there's still some matter of Kempek's reforms that prevent women from ruling over the council. But the will proves that Kempek's succession was illegal, and his reforms will have to be declared invalid. And that's the bigger problem. You're talking about reversing law that has existed in the Empire for 60 years. Most of the people who were involved with Kempek's succession... Coup! <clears throat> ...are long dead, but the impact they've had continues. 
the Empire is a very different place than it was during your mother's time, and you might find more resistance than you expect. Jarell appears slightly defeated by this reality. Jadzia, I've been wanting to ask you something. My mother told me that my father was the only man she ever loved. She never married. Did Curzon feel the same way? Oh, I'm sorry. Your mother was very special to Curzon, but he was a complicated man, and not without his faults. I understand. Still, if he'd known about me, do you think- Curzon said he never wanted children. Benjamin was probably the closest he ever got, but seeing the woman you grew to be, I know he would have been proud of you. Bleep bleep. Oh no, two Lieutenant Dax. Bleep bleep. Go ahead, Constable. A Klingon transport ship is just docked at Upper Pylon 3. Evidently, they're in a bit of a hurry and request that you proceed there immediately. Understood. Sounds like our ride's here. Dax and Gorel stand to go to exit the bar. Quark sees them leaving. Apply. You're gonna need it. <laughs> Scene 4. Interior. Klingon Bridge. The bridge of a standard Klingon starship, dimly lit, with orange and red consoles glowing. Several Klingon officers are manning the various stations. At the center of the room in the captain's chair sits a Klingon man, Kurla. Kurla is older than Garel, but in excellent shape for his age. Dax and Garel enter from the hatch at the rear of the room. Kurla remains seated, facing forward. Dax and Garel approach him. Jadzia, allow me to present Captain... Kurla! Kurla is surprised to be recognized by Dax, and his stoic demeanor fades. Have we met? Many times, in fact. I looked a bit different then. Jadzia Dax? Kurla ignores the offered handshake and turns back towards the view screen. He raises his arm and to give an order. Machcha! The sound of the warp drive engaging. I advise, as it were, against getting involved with an off-worlder, just as I've advised this one against this fool's errand that's likely to get us all killed. You always were wise, Council. I was chief advisor to two chancellors. Now I captain this piece of foreshah. Seems the current administration has no use for my wise counsel. Did you do as I asked? Of course, girl. I have sent copies of your mother's will to leaders of all the great houses. And? Six houses, representing four squadrons, have agreed to back your claim. The rest are still supporting Gowron. Patach! No matter. Once Dax gives testimony and exposes the truth, the rest will come to my side. Dax is clearly disturbed. You're talking about civil war. I thought you were going to challenge Gowron for control. <laughs> You don't think Gowron would be foolish enough to meet me in single combat, do you? The only blades he's ever held were to cut his meals. No. Gowron is no warrior. He's a politician with the heart of a Romulan. <laughs> He'll never accept my challenge. He'll let other Klingons do the killing and the dying for him. It'll be us who'll be doing the dying if your plan doesn't work. He's right, Garel. There's a lot of people with a stake in keeping the status quo. You may not be able to gather as much support as you expect. Nonsense. Every true Klingon with an ounce of honor will rally to my cause once the treachery is revealed. Honor in the Empire doesn't mean as much as it did in your mother's time. Scene 5. Interior, Klingon High Council Chambers, Konos. Gowron is seated at the center of the Great Hall 
in the Chancellor's throne. On his shoulders, he wears the cloak of his office. Around him, several counselors are engaged in a heated argument. If Kempek deliberately tried to hide this will from the council, then his succession was illegitimate. These accusations are nothing but rumors. The evidence is right here. Silence! <gasps> you all sound like a gaggle of old women. This so-called will of Azadbur is not only an obvious forgery. Even if it were not, it would make no difference. Azadbur is dead, and her alleged daughter is just that. A daughter. And a daughter has no claim. But that law was put in. <laughs> now I'll have no more pointless. I name you usurper, Gowron. Garel and Dax enter the hall from the far end. They are trailed by a number of Klingon warriors, including Curla. What is the meaning of this? I am Garel. Daughter of Azitpur, rightful chancellor of the Klingon High Council, and you are in my seat. The room is silent for a moment as everyone attempts to take in what had just transpired. After a time, Gauron bursts out laughing. <laughs> Foolish woman, you have no grounds to challenge me. Leave now, while you can still walk. I have evidence to support my claim. He gestures towards Dax, who steps forward. And who is this off-worlder? I am Jedzia, daughter of Kila. I am host of the Dax Symbiont, which once had another host known to your people, Curzon. The name Curzon Dax is indeed an honored one. You, however, are just a girl. Now, what of this evidence... Curzon Dax was Parmakai to Azitbur. Garel is their daughter. Watermelons, 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 watermelons. Can you believe this shit? Even if true, I fail to see how this changes anything. A half-breed bastard girl has no claim to this chair. I am the legitimate heir to the house of Gorkon. I demand that my family's lands and titles be reinstated, and I lay claim to the chancellorship. Hmm. But how can there be a claim if there's no claimant? <gasps> Dax is momentarily confused, but huh? then realizes what Gowron was saying. Oh. She turns to Garel in a panic. Garel makes eye contact with Dax then coughs out a spurt of blood which splashes onto Dax's face. Oh. Garel falls to her knees. Curla stands behind her, having just buried a knife in her back. Dick, Curla. You son of a bitch. Dax lunges to catch Garel as she slumps forward. Dax cradles Garel, who is barely conscious. Father. Did I? You did, daughter. Garel smiles and dies. Congratulations! Captain Curla, on bringing this criminal to justice. I did what I did for the good of the Empire. We all serve the Empire. And from now on, you'll be serving it from the bridge of my flagship. Dax continues to cradle Garel's body, tears in her eyes. Kachaw. What was that, offworlder? She lays the body on the floor and stands, facing Gowron. Ketchaw! 
Are you challenging me? Defend yourself! On what grounds do you make this challenge? I claim the right of vengeance! You have taken the life of my daughter, and now I will take yours! Dax walks to the side of the chamber and removes a batleth from a rack. Several Klingons approach her as if to apprehend her, but Gowron raises a hand. As Dax returns to the center of the room, Gowron rises from his throne, dropping his cloak of office behind him. A nearby Klingon approaches and hands him a batleth. Gowron and Dax meet near the center of the room. Gowron takes a shouting lunge toward Dax. Ah! His batleth meeting hers with a furious clanking of metal. <laughs> Dax parries the blow and attempts to sweep his legs. But he leaps back, out of the way. Gowron takes another swing towards Dax's midsection. But she dodges the blow. Dax swings her batleth and catches <laughs> Gowron's right arm. Ah! He takes a step back, touches the blood dripping from his arm, and licks it from his finger. <laughs> the successor to Curzon lives up to his reputation. It's a shame you'll be the last, Dax. Gowron rushes Dax again, taking a powerful swing at her chest. Dax ducks and again attempts to sweep his legs. This time it works, and Gowron flips onto his back. He lets out a harrowing shout as he clash crashes onto the slate. Dax raises the batleth over her head and in a single powerful blow brings the blade down onto oh, his head, shit. killing him. Ha! The room remains silent. Dax falls to her knees. Exhausted. <gasps> Scene 6. DS9. Ops. Kier and Dax are standing at the central ops console. Kier is enthralled by the story Dax has just finished telling her. Kier is sipping a cup of tea. So what did you say when they put the cloak over your back? I didn't say anything. I was still in shock. You mean to tell me that you, Jadzia Dax, had just been named the Klingon High Chancellor and you didn't have anything to say? It's customary that when the sitting chancellor falls to a challenger, the victor assumes his titles. But I don't think a room full of Klingon warriors were, was ready to accept me as their leader. I wouldn't have made it out of the chamber alive. Still, how many Trill can say they were, even for a moment, the head of the Klingon Empire? Sisko steps out of his office. Kira and Dax turn their attention to him. He gestures for Dax to come. She gets up. Cut to Sisko's office. Dax enters, stands at attention, ready for a dressing down. At ease, Lieutenant. Dax relaxes a bit. He gestures for her to sit, which she does. I just got off a call with not one, but three members of the Federation Council asking me why one of my officers was involved in a coup of the Klingon High Council. If it were up to them, you'd be spending the rest of this life in a penal colony. And I can't say I really disagree with them. Benjamin, I... He raises a hand. But, old man, it seems the new High Chancellor has personally spoken out on your behalf, and Starfleet has decided not to pursue disciplinary action. I'll have to send Chancellor Kor a message of thanks when I, get to, when I get the chance. Yay! I guess now I owe him a favor. I'd say so. How are you doing otherwise? I'm okay, I think. You know, Benjamin, in that moment... When I held Garel in my arms, I couldn't think. I didn't think. Something just took over me. I've never felt anything like it, but in that moment, she was my daughter. Garzan always told me he never wanted children. He was telling the truth, but I know now that there was a part of him that would have liked to have known her, known about her, 
and would have wanted to have been in her life. I'm just grateful that in whatever small way, I was able to give her something of him. The end. I loved it. You broke with continuity with yours. How so? I mean... What, you don't remember when... Dax murdered Gowron? Not, not especially. But we haven't then again, gotten it to that episode yet. It hasn't been a while. It hasn't oh. been a while. Yeah, that's true. We probably haven't gone to that that one yet. That's possible. <laughs> that's maybe that's exactly what it is. To answer your question, Chris, from the top, um, yeah, Curla was one. I looked him up. Was uh, he, he in was, six? He was one of the one of the side Klingons in yeah. six. He was the uh-huh. one that was like Gorkon's right hand man. Okay. Presumably not the one that lost his right arm, though. Not the, you know, he was, he was, he still has his right arm. That would make him a left-hand man. Yes. Mm. Uh, no, he was the other one. Um, the one that, kind of more, more prickly. Mm. Cool. But yeah. That was, uh, that was very Klingon. Yeah, very nicely done, Jake. And I yes. know Klingons bring up, Klingons bring out the best in Dax. Mm, that's true. Yeah. That was if you want to write a good Dax story, put her with some Klingons and make it mostly about Curson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Jake, you said you had a different ending when you started writing it. What was your ending? Um, well, so originally I hadn't planned to kill Garel or uh, Gowron. That was just sort of, that hit me kind of as I was writing it. I think originally it was just going to be, you know, boring. And Gowron would be like, well, for the good of the Empire, I can't let you claim this. And you'll have to, you know, take a back seat. <laughs> Garful the Garthok, or whatever that is from Coneheads. Yeah. So that would have been stupid. So I was like, no, no, I'm just going to no, have a, I'm just gonna have a, a, a big fight and killing. There we go. And I like that Kor becomes Chancellor. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I was wondering who it was going to be. For some reason, I thought Quark. <laughs> <laughs> Chancellor Quark. <laughs> well, he is already the head of a house or whatever. There's no profit in this. Or at least I guess he was. Not anymore. He'd find a way. He'd find a way to bring profits to it. Hmm. Okay, so, Chris. Right. Well, then we have come to mine, the end of the show. Not yeah. going to lie, probably one of the other ones should have been last, because they're a bit more impressive. Well, mine is called sure. Day Trip. And there are a fucking zillion characters in it. Most of them new. Oh, God. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any of these accents, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the DS9 Replimat. Garrick and Bashir sit at their usual table. The doctor is just wiping his mouth and tosses his napkin casually onto his plate. Well, I best be on my way. Yes, both of us back to our stitching. The usual time tomorrow. Of course. Oh, but not the day after. Oh? I'm, well, the chief has been trying to get me to visit Bajor with him, and I finally ran out of decent excuses not to. Excuses? Why, Doctor, I thought your friendship with Mr. O'Brien was second only to ours. He wants to go kayaking. Ah. Exactly. He somehow managed to injure himself during Hollisweet kayaking, and that has safety protocols. I dread to think what the real thing might do to him. Has he ever gone kayaking outside of a simulation? He says he used to fairly frequently before he joined Starfleet. But that was... Over twenty years ago. Yes. Well, thank goodness he's friends with a doctor. Enjoy your trip. Hopefully you're wrong and it won't turn out to be a... What was that charming expression? A busman's holiday? I sincerely hope so. The side of a quickly rushing river. Day. 
As we pan across the scene, we start seeing bits of flotsam and jetsam, equipment, and before long, an overturned kayak. <laughs> sprawled, nearby is, sprawled nearby is Bashir, unconscious, oh, no. bleeding from a cut on his temple. <laughs> you go how it goes. The riverside, where a groaning Bashir slowly comes to. He gets to his feet, glances around for a few moments, lifts the kayak and finds nothing. Chief? Chief! Goes to activate comm badge, sees it's not there. Damn. Bashir begins picking up equipment, throws away a few pieces after a brief inspection. The rest go in a small metal valise. Looks around a bit, then begins walking. Chief! Chief, can you hear me? Damn it! Suddenly, a low growling can be heard. Julian stops dead and glances around. From a tree line, a wolf emerges. But, you know, a Bajoran wolf. Maybe it has a bumpy <laughs> nose or antenna or one of those wacky earrings. Whatever. <laughs> All three. Got it. I knew we should have brought phasers. The wolf barks and leaps. Julian throws his arms in front of himself. Suddenly, a high-pitched thwip is heard. The wolf lets out a quick, brief whine, slams into the doctor, and the two go down in a heap. I rather accepted, expected mauling to hurt more. Bashir pushes the wolf off himself, revealing an arrow having pierced its neck. Ugh. He glances around, and a Bajoran woman can be seen at the tree line, holding a bow and with a second arrow ready to be knocked. Her clothes are unlike any Bajoran outfit we've seen before, seemingly made of skins with obvious hand-patching and repairs scattered throughout. I suppose I have you to thank for my being alive right now, Miss... Tanzari Elit. Miss Elit. My name is... Hold! Do not come closer. Sorry. I don't mean you any harm. You are neither Bajoran nor Cardassian. I'm human. 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 Federation? Here? Yes. Finally come to end our suffering at the hands of the Cardassians? What? Come now. I know the Federation has ignored the plight of Bajor, but you know what has happened here. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, but, well, the occupation is over. It ended five years ago. What? The Cardassians are gone? Yes. Do you have proof? For all I know, you're a Cardassian agent. Ah, uh, well, no, actually. I was boating with a friend and we capsized. Most of my supplies and communicator were lost. I assume you've not seen my friend. You're the first stranger I've seen today. Do you live near here? Are there many others? Could... Anyone else have... I cannot trust you with any of that without knowing who you are. I'm Dr. Julian Bashir from Starfleet. I'm not entirely sure how to prove that, however. Hmm. Hands behind your head. I'm going to approach you. All right. Ellet stalks towards Bashir, looks sternly at him. Their eyes lock. He tries a little grin. She suddenly reaches up with the unused arrow and slashes his cheek. He flinches oh. and gasps, and she wipes at the blood with a fingertip. Red, the Cardassians may be able plastic surgeons, but even they cannot change blood color. I suppose not. All right, fine. Drop your arms. Come with me. Tell me what has been happening. We see Bashir and Elit walking into the woods. We are clearly seeing from someone's point of view, partially obscured by branches and leaves. There is heavy breathing. Commercial break! Oh boy, <laughs> 90s shit! Vote for Bob Dole! Buy a pager! That Ford Taurus sure is sexy fuck! And we're back! A small Bajoran village. There's no sign of any tech. The homes are simple aging wooden structures. People do old-timey shit! Bashir and Elit approach. 
So Wynne withdrew her candidacy. Shakar won the position of First Minister very handily after that. Amazing. A free Bajor. I can't believe it. I want to. What? My injury isn't enough proof that I am who I say I am? Plenty of species have red blood, even mine. You could be a collaborator who had his nose shaved down. It would be easier and less traumatic to fill the ridges in, actually. Speaking as a physician, more easily reversed as well. Which is why the Cardassians would shave it down, probably without anesthesia. Ah, well. Ellet! Ellet, come quick! A teenage boy rushes up to Ellet and Bashir, barely giving a second glance to the stranger. Pulled! What is it? It's Elder Casso! He's collapsed! Where is he? I don't have my full kit, but... Follow me! Interior of one of the houses. An old man lays in a bed, his breathing strained and raspy. Other Bajorans stand nearby, looking worried. A middle-aged woman, Kalra, leans over him, listening to his heart with something that is recognizably a stethoscope. Bashir and Ellet rush in. Ellet? Who? He's a doctor from Starfleet. Starfleet? What? I'll explain everything in time, but first... Bashir kneels next to Kalra and pulls his tricorder from his kit. He flips it open and lets out a somewhat sickly version of its usual beeps. Damn. What's wrong? The power supply was damaged. Noting the stethoscope. Did you get a chance to use that? Yes. His heartbeat is badly irregular. Do you have any allergies that you know of? Uh, Some hay fever? Nothing else. (laughs) Cordrazine, then. Pulls out a small case from his kit, flips it open to reveal some files, pulls one out. Thank goodness it's intact. They haven't a hyperspray. Do you have a syringe or anything? Yes. Ellet, over there? Calra points and Ellet vanishes for a moment before reappearing with a tray of needles. Bashir picks one up and glances momentarily at the Bajoran writing. Ah, uh, what line is a... Uh, damn! It's a Bajoran equivalent of CCs. Uh, right, right, uh... Which one would be half a dectol? There. Bashir twists the top off the file and sticks the needle in, slowly pulling the plunger back. He delicately hands the file to Calra, then starts tapping the elder's arm. And had to find a vein since medical school. (laughs) He nods, satisfied, and plunges the needle into the old man's arm. He picks up the stethoscope, puts it on, and presses the diaphragm to the elder's chest. He's stabilizing. Good. I suppose that's too much to hope for that you have IV bags. You're lucky we have syringes. <laughs> All right. Make sure he stays hydrated. More so than you might think is necessary. Someone should be watching him at all times. Check his heartbeat every hour. If he gets irregular again, a quarter dectol is of this. If his breathing becomes rapid at any time, try chest compressions. That doesn't work, get me. Real frontier medicine. I knew a young fool who romanticized this stuff. Alex. Father! Who is this? He's Dr. Bashir, father. He's from Starfleet. The occupation is over, father. Bajor is free! Exterior. Night. We are again watching from an unknown figure's point of view. We can just make out Bashir sitting with Casso, Elit, Kalra, and others by a large fire. Someone hands him a bowl. Switches to the side of the fire as he eats. This is excellent. And you've raised... Or hunted all of this yourselves? It's what we've done since I was born. We have been on our own for almost four decades. I was a child when the occupation began. My memories of a free Bajor are... a fog, at best. 
I can somewhat remember the quiet meetings in my parents' home, the early days of the resistance, though I didn't understand that at the time. I was barely a teenager when we set up our first camp to begin striking at a Cardassian shipping port. So what happened? Resistance camps didn't tend to be some permanent emplacements. We had moved here for a major strike planned with another cell. I can't remember what the target was. Almost every single adult went, many of the teenagers. I wanted to go too, but they said I was just too young. If I'd not been recovering from a sprained ankle, they may have taken me. I'm not sure. No one came back from the mission. We waited for days, weeks. Before long, we began to be sure the Cardassians would arrive and destroy us. But we were mostly children. We didn't know how best to pull up stakes and resettle. We didn't know how to contact other cells. We didn't even know we were near civilization. After a few months, we realized we were on our own, and, well, we made do. I'd say you've thrived. You've remained undiscovered and self-sufficient for almost forty years. That's astounding. Yes, but now, now we can rejoin Bajor. Bajor free of Cardassians, I still scarcely believe it. I do not mean to seem ungrateful to my savior, but, uh, well, have we simply replaced Cardassians with Federation troops? No, no, not at all. No, we're, we're all on a space station. There's a no permanent on-planet presence. But your commander is the emissary. Yes, but he's a Starfleet officer first. He hasn't abused his position as emissary to try and force the issue. Starfleet is famously hands-off. We try to be. First and foremost, we consider ourselves explorers. We're ambassadors of the Federation. We don't exist to strong-arm anyone into joining. Though you certainly have military might. An unfortunate necessity when not everyone shares our ideals. Yes, like the Klingons, Orion pirates, Cardassians. Right. Talra. Tell me, Doctor, when is non-interference just willful ignorance? Sorry? Talra, he's barely older than Elliot. He had nothing to do with- Oh, I'm sure they're making some similar decision now, though. Right, Doctor? What atrocity is your Federation turning a blind eye to now? Calra, come now. No, no, she's not wrong. The Federation, Starfleet, we let a lot happen in the name of the Prime Directive. I can't disagree. We don't live up to our ideals sometimes, and that's because we're flawed. But that's the root of it. The Federation has had its brushes with... Falling, failing itself even more dr drastically than that. So we stop the Cardassian occupation. Then we get asked to help another culture, then another, uh, and another. Then one day we don't get asked, but just show up. And we show up again, and again. Then suddenly we're taking over Bajor instead of the Cardassians. The line is fine. Too fine. And I have yet to meet anyone who would who I would trust to see it. And what do you think about Bajor joining the Federation willingly, since that is how you see the Overture now? Honestly? I don't know. On one hand, the Federation has plenty to offer. On the other hand, Bajor is still trying to figure itself out after having its own culture nearly eradicated. But then there is the issue of the work. 
celestial temple. Bajor is now the most important pl planet in the Alpha Quadrant, which means it could also be a target for countless people. You seem to have trouble committing to ideas. I'm a doctor, not a diplomat. <laughs> My choices are much simpler. If someone is in need of medical help, I provide it. I leave diplomacy to better people than myself. Well, I, for one, am grateful a doctor arrived instead of a diplomat. Now, come, no more interrogating Dr. Bashir. Let's enjoy ourselves, and in the morning we shall send out parties to try and find his friend. The spooky POV shot again. Heavy breathing. Ooh, what could it be? Motherfucking commercial time! It's a trailer for <laughs> Twister! Fuck, did you see that cow? It's the great googly moogly Snickers ad! Oh shit, they made the Game Boy smaller! Back to the show, honkies! Day, Julian walking through the woods with Ellet. So, are you looking forward to seeing the sights of your homeworld? I suppose. My whole life has been stories of Bajor. For me, Bajor has just been my village in a few square miles of woodland. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Oh, well, uh, the capital has some stunning architecture. The Bajoran Gallery has already managed to rebuild much of its collections. I'd be more than happy to show you around. That could be... Suddenly, a large rock whizzes past their faces, and they both duck down into the brush. What the hell? Come on, there's not enough cover here. This way. The two start running towards a large boulder near a tree line, Bashir slightly ahead. Suddenly, there's the noise of bending wood and straining rope. Whoa! Bashir is now... Bashir? Wow. Bashir is now dangling upside down, one of his feet caught in a makeshift rope hanging from a branch. Oh, the Riker maneuver. <laughs> Ellet dives behind the boulder. Ellet, what's going on? Is this normal? No, I have no idea what... Another rock spirals in and Ellet dives behind the boulder. It bounces off and barely misses Julian's head as Ellet knocks an arrow and glances over the boulder. Where are you? Could you get me down, maybe? Shh! You damn cardy bastards, you let him go! What? Chief? Chief? What are you talking about? The chief is standing in a shadowy area, having gone full apocalypse now. <laughs> His shirt is gone, and he's covered in mud from waist to face as makeshift camouflage. He holds a homemade sling and a rock. His face is hard. It's all right, Julian! I'll free you from those bastards. I think I'm more Scottish, but fuck it. That works. I'll free you from those bastards before they can scream at you about lights! Ellen, please, that's my missing friend. Something's clearly wrong with him. So I can't kill him. Afraid not. Great. Sorry, if, if you could get me down, I could help, okay? Ellen has already launched herself over the boulder and started charging towards the chief. She barely ducks a stone, which ends up hitting Julian in the gut, <laughs> making him give out a little oof. Oof. <laughs> the chief loads another stone, but Ellet shoots an arrow that cuts the handle. Time for a motherfucking fight! Chief goes all classic Starfleet double-handed punches and Kirk chops. It's, you know, it's a Trek fight. Then Ellet manages to crack him one across the chin with her bow and he goes down. Before he can get up, she puts a foot on his chest and has an arrow drawn and near his face. Calm yourself, Chief. No one wishes to hurt you or the Doctor. The interior of DS9's infirmary. O'Brien, in uniform, lays on a diagnostic table while Julian scans him. So my best guess is that spring you said you found had been tainted by spores from some nearby Bitari mushrooms. Kalra explained them to me. For a Bajoran, they can cause a rather pleasant hallucination. Humans, it would seem, not so much. I swear, they all looked like Cardassians. It was like I was back in the war. Thank goodness I didn't hurt anyone. Uh, you bruised one of my ribs, actually. 
Well, being fair, I wasn't aiming for you. Still, I'll get you your next pint to make it up to you. Quarks? I'm going to need a rain check. I'm acting as an ambassador today. Ellet walks in, dressed in modern Bajoran clothing. Doctor? Ah, Ellet! Be right with you. A Vulcan survey ship is due back from the Gamma Quadrant in 20 minutes, so we'll start with a docking pylon. They have the best view. I'm looking forward to it. She exits. Right, well, you're officially released, Chief. You should be all set. If anything seems off, just come back here straight away. Julian exits. Horny prick. The end. End credits! Next time, on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Why is my razor so stupid? Benjamin, Kai Wen is here to see you. <coughs> Scene change. God damn it, so itchy. I didn't need to know that, Julian. Scene change. Kira, you've got a message coming in from Goldacott. Ugh, put him through. Ah, Major Kira. I swear to God, if this is another thinly veiled attempt at hitting on me, I will cut off your balls and feed them to your pet vole. The end. Stay tuned for whatever bullshit was on your local station in 1996 after DS9. Yikes. I'm pretty sure it was The Adventures of Hercules. That sounds right. Awesome. I I wanted to say Cleopatra 2525, but that didn't start until after DS9 ended. That was fun. So thank you for writing us an essay on the Prime Directive, Chris. Yeah, Yeah, this is is just Chris venting all of his bullshit. Like things that he upset him about Star Trek. It it was gonna like go somewhere, but then I was like, this is boring. I liked it. I thought it was I liked it too. Uh, Yeah. Felt like a real Deep Space Nine episode, honestly. Like you could see this happening. Yeah, ultra truncated. Yeah, add a a B-plot somewhere. Mm. Yeah, that's what was missing, B-plot. None of ours really had B plots, did they? No, Shit. we're we're very laser focused. Mm. Well, we were we were told to concentrate on our one character. That's true. That's true. I don't know. What we should I... do is combine ours, all, you know, in some way so that we become <laughs> each other's B plots. There we go. Odo, I don't think that could work. I think uh, Odo Day would make a good B plot. There was sort of a B plot. It was Constable Odo Day, and there was a founder. True. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Question mark. It was so short, though. It was hard to tell. I think we all did pretty good. Yeah. What do you think, audience? Leave us a comment. They think, stop doing these fanfics. Never! We like them. We have fun. We Mm -hmm. like them. I like like having an excuse And I just thought of a better ending to mine. (gasps) Oh, no. Can I I tell it? Can I tell it to you? Yeah, please. As like, like this is the alternate, this is the DVD alternate ending. (laughs) This is the hidden panel. Yeah. So in in the DVD, Garel doesn't get killed. Dax does. (laughs) <laughs> but they oh. managed to save her symbiont and put it into Garel, and Garel Dax returns to DS9. Mm. Ooh. So she does have the pouch. So she <laughs> does have the pouch. And the, and oh, the, and the final shot is, is uh, O'Brien going, ah! <laughs> I just oh, so, him... so, so she does have the pouch. Oh, hey. Anyway. Cool. All right, well... If you like that and you want to hear more, it's going to be probably about a year till there's more of that. But there are three other fan fiction. Is that right? Yes. Three other fan fiction challenges from other Star Treks. However, next week, we're going to return to doing what we do best, which is talking about frequently most (laughs) often for four years now. Yep. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about two more episodes of Star Treks. The next Space Nine. We'll be talking about two episodes 
Crossfire and Return to Grace. But yeah, if you like what you heard, you can find our podcast wherever other fine podcasts are sold. Uh, we are on SoundCloud. God damn it, I just said SoundCloud. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or maybe now YouTube Music. I don't know. Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for a star to steer her by. We are at SSHB Podcast on Tumblr and Twitter. You can find us at our website, sshbpodcast.com which is really just a link to our Tumblr. But hey, but we're putting these up there. Up exactly. On the it's actually relevant this week because you'll Yay. be able to check out our scripts and like, I don't know, reenact them with your friends who do better impressions of the characters than we do. I don't know. Did you hear Jake's Bashir? You know, honestly, you kind of, I don't know if it's like you it got better and it yeah. settled it in. I think, I think I settled Or if I just it liked it better. It started out like very like, like. Cockney. Cockney. <laughs> Oi, governor. I think I settled in. Yeah. We're seasons. going for a kayaking trip. Mate. <laughs> it's just really but no you got good uh i actually really liked uh chris's quirk also chris's quirk yeah, good. Good. yeah. it reminded me of something else too and now i can't think what it was the trick is to act like you got a too many teeth in your mouth that's a good point yeah, that's why if you guys saw the fan fix that Siddig and Robinson do together, they're very cute for one thing, but also they had Armin Shimmerman on as a guest and he was wearing the teeth. Yeah, because that's I mean, that's pretty much you can tell that's where most of the voice comes from. Mm. Yeah, because you have to open your mouth a little wider when you speak to get yeah. around all those teeth. Yeah. Also special, I think, honorable mention too to Jake's ROM because that, that, that was, was great. That was <laughs> fucking <laughs> awesome. <sighs> Didn't hold a candle as Kai win, though. <laughs> that was the most accurate uh, impersonation of the day, I, I think. Yep. Also the most accurate writing of the day for a character. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. So uh, thank you again for joining us. I have been Caitlin. I have been Jake. This has been Chris. And this is Always Ames. Happy anniversary, everyone. Oh, happy anniversary. Who bought cake? Obviously, exactly how Odo talks. Uh, my writing, I mean, not your impression. It's like uh, uh, Rene Aubergine was with us, truly. Um, <laughs> scene. Rom, go into the storeroom and bring back the device in the box labeled self steer. Fuck. Self fuck fuck fuck. I feel like that's definitely something Rom understands. <laughs> Benjamin was probably the closest he ever got. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> but And I finally ran out of decent excuses not to. Your accent is perfect, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>